there, I'm Leah Ben Miller, the worship leader of the local church, and you're listening to the local church podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold, inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina, and our mantra is our mission, love where you are. We gather for affirming, anchoring, and empowering worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Woods Charter School and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings laying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings laying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the foot. They said, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God.
I, uh, I recently ran across a quotation from poet and author Ross Gay, who I love, um, from an essay in his newest book. Uh, it's called Inciting Joy. It's a collection of essays all about joy. And, and this quotation in particular completely stopped me in my tracks. It was a beautiful essay on the joy of gardening and what a garden teaches us about belonging to each other. And, and in the essay, in this quotation in particular, he was describing uh, about how he was about to plant some four- to five-year-old sunflower seeds uh, in a gravel trench just to see what happens. And he was talking about how tenuous of a prospect that that might be. He wrote this, Although planting seeds is always an act of faith, this qualified maybe a little bit extra. <laughs> it's a great quotation on its own, but the thing that got me is that I'd never considered, maybe you have, but I'd never considered something as simple as putting seeds in a ground to be an act of faith, you know? There's no certainty, there's no guarantee. You put it in the ground with the faith that something will happen, but any number of things... Meanwhile, could transpire birds, weeds, thorns, you name it, or maybe, maybe blossoms, flowers, life, but either way, either way, it begins with the simple, faithful act of digging a hole, dropping in a seed. And it got me thinking about how these seemingly simple acts of faith show up everywhere, perhaps even how we're a lot more faithful than we give ourselves credit for sometimes. I mean, think about it. Every time I get in my car, every time I drop my first grader off at school, every time I show up to preach hoping that you'll be here uh, and that the Spirit will make some sense of these words, the, the same is true. Simple act of faith. Every time we ask someone on a date or send off a college application Every time we visit the doctor, go out on a run, every time we interview for a job, every time you hold your grandkid, every time we open up even the slightest bit with somebody new, every time we go to bed at night expecting to wake up the next morning, and every time you show up on Easter Sunday expecting something, maybe you're not sure what, and yet here you are. That, too, y'all, is an act of faith. All of them are. Really, simple acts of faith, same as planting a seed in a garden. And so maybe we do need to give ourselves a little more credit, y'all. And here's the thing. The same is true of Mary. Speaking of gardens, Mary showed up to the tomb, Jesus, in a garden early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. Mary, the same was true for her, who had watched her friend her teacher, the one who'd healed her and really loved her, watched him die. Mary, who was no doubt reeling from all that she'd witnessed, no doubt afraid of what his death would mean. Her safe place, her belonging, her future, gone. Can you imagine? Some of you probably can. So maybe she showed up because it was the last place that she'd seen him. Maybe she didn't know where else to go. Maybe she was there to anoint his body, or maybe she was just there to get a little space 
to think about her next steps. Whatever it might have been that brought her there to that garden early in the morning on the first day of the week while it was still dark, if nothing else, it too was a simple act of faith, just showing up. And what happened next is remarkable. You heard Doug read it. Remarkable in how detailed John's account is. Remarkable in how understated it is. Remarkable in how simple it all is, if you really think about it. Mary arrives at the tomb and discovers that the stone has been removed and the body isn't there. And you've got to remember that for Mary, who doesn't know what's happening, that doesn't necessarily mean resurrection. We who are on the other side of it, we do. But she doesn't. All it means for her is that the body isn't there. The one thing she had left is gone. And so she runs to tell this terrible news to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And when she gets there, she exclaims, they've taken them. They've taken them. And we don't know where they've laid them. And at this, Peter and the other disciple take off for the tomb to check it out for themselves. They're racing each other. John makes a point to tell us that the other disciple outruns Peter and gets there first, which, which I think is hilarious. Like, why is that there? You know? Hey, just so you know, the other disciple wins the race, right? (laughs) Some scholars believe that details like this actually add to the authenticity of the narrative, of the story. The other disciple bends down to look in and sees Jesus' burial clothes inside, but he doesn't go in. And then Peter finally gets there, probably out of breath, huffing and puffing, and, and he looks in. He sees the linen wrappings lying there, and and John makes a point to tell us that in seeing the grave clothes, Peter believes, though we're not sure what. Very likely, it means that he believes Mary's testimony, as if it needed a check, right, that the tomb was empty and not necessarily the resurrection. After this, Peter and the other disciple head home. But Mary stays behind. Mary stays behind. Again, a simple act of faith. She doesn't return with them. She stays at the tomb in the garden. She lingers there a while, weeping, as if to say, it's not over. It can't be over. Her her mind is, is likely racing. Her heart very likely beating out of her chest. Sorrow, rage, confusion, fear, all welling up inside her, all veiling her vision, all of it keeping her from seeing what's right in front of her. Surely the same has been true for us at times. But she can't see what's right in front of her. A man that she believes to be the gardener, a man who'd asked her why she was weeping, who, who she was looking for, a man she didn't recognize, a man she couldn't see until he called her name Mary. And in that moment of recognition, she does what any of us would do. She races toward him, takes off, grabs him, embraces him, holds on tight, her mind no doubt filled with questions, joy, and disorientation entangled together within as she puts the pieces of the last few years together in her mind and works to make sense of this moment. How is he standing there? Is it really him? Could it really be? And and chances are good, y'all. We would do the same thing given the opportunity to come face to face with someone that we thought we had lost forever. Run. Hold on tight. Not even giving a thought to letting go. Which makes what happens next all the more curious. All the more fascinating. Disorienting anew, perhaps, because what does Jesus say? 
Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Do not hold on to me. It's curious, isn't it? Why would he say that? I mean, goodness, how could she not? So, so what's the deal? Here's the thing. Jesus is telling Mary that something new has happened. He's not just back from the dead. He has defeated the power of death. And his resurrection has paved the way for something new, life abundant, the life that really is life, life eternal, available now, freedom to live fully into who she was created to be. And this is good news, not just for Mary, but for everyone everywhere, for you, for me, for all of us, for the whole world. In other words, what Jesus is getting at is that while the resurrection has ushered in a new era, there is still work to be done, both for Mary and her witness and in Jesus as he ascends. But here's the bottom line. Mary wants to cling to the Jesus that she knew, the Jesus of before. She's clinging to the way things were. And why wouldn't she? It's all she's known. Let's give her some credit here. It's all she has the framework for. But Jesus is telling her that, that life can't continue as it had. And he's inviting her to let him go to make room for something new, to make room for the fullness of resurrection hope, to let go that she might be open to receiving the fullness of life in which the worst thing isn't the last thing. To let go that she might taste and see the fullness of abundance in God's kingdom where all have enough, where all belong, where beloved community is found, where love wins once and for all. And maybe, maybe on this Easter morning, we need to do the same. Maybe the same is true for us. Perhaps there are things to which we are clinging so tightly that we can't fully receive the hope found in resurrection, that we can't fully taste and see how much God loves us, that we can't fully experience the life that really is life. In the same way that Jesus tells Mary to let go, what is it that you need to let go of? What's getting in the way of your embracing the promise of new life, the reality that the impossible is not just possible but actually happened, the, the, the reality that a new day is here, that Jesus is calling your name just as he called Mary's. What are you clinging so tightly to? Would you do me a favor? Would you, would you just hold your hands in a fist? You feel that? What is it, keep them close, what is it that you are clinging so tightly to this morning? Maybe it's a grudge that's been festering for a while, or your, your inner critic who, who won't stop talking. Maybe, like Mary, it's a grief that's clouded your vision, and it feels like all you have left. Maybe it's a rigid belief system, and you're afraid that to ask too many questions might cause it to come crashing down. Keep holding Maybe it's an assumption about a particular person or a particular group of people. Maybe it's a sense that the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites and bigots and you can't be convinced, convinced otherwise. Maybe, maybe you've put Jesus in a box. Maybe the future that you had longed for seems impossible. Keep them closed. Maybe you've resigned yourself to the fact that this is just how things are and that anything else is pure fantasy. The stubborn belief that your heart will never heal. Maybe you feel stuck 
like there's no way out or like no one would ever believe you. Maybe you feel like the shame will never go away, that forgiveness is too much to ask. Maybe you feel like no one will ever love you or that God couldn't possibly love the you, the authentic you that you keep hidden. You feel like you have to keep hidden. Maybe you feel like there's no hope for you or what's even the point? Keep them closed. Or that this is all there is. What is it for you? What is it that we are holding so tightly to, clinging to, that's keeping us from fully embracing resurrection, the life that God has for us? Now open them. You feel that. You feel that. Beloved of God, on this Resurrection Sunday, hear the good news. Receive with open hands this good news that the risen Christ stands before you, meets you where you are today, and is calling your name, just as he called Mary's long ago, inviting you to embrace a new reality in which nothing separates you from the love of God, in which the fog of grief clears and gives way to a joyful future, in which mercy and compassion are stronger than bigotry and hatred, a new reality in which your life has more purpose and meaning than you thought was possible, in which your faith is expansive and abundant and your future is held by the one who will never leave you or forsake you, who holds you, who forgives endlessly, who loves recklessly, and who stands before you alive again, just as he died, with arms outstretched for the whole cosmos the whole world. The picture ahead may not be clear. Notice that, that when Mary returns, she doesn't leave saying, oh, okay, good, now I got it. It all makes sense now. I figured it out. Instead, she simply declares, I have seen the Lord. She simply bears witness to what she has seen. It's an opening the first step in a new direction, embracing a new reality, a new possibility. It's a seed in the ground, a simple act of faith. Happy Easter, friends. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's an easy way to share the love. You can learn more about the local church at our website, growlocal.church, or just come see us one week. Thanks for listening and love where you are.